Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Racinos. And today we have somebody that I've been wanting to interview for, I want to say, years. Like, even before I had the podcast, I saw this person and was like, oh my God, she's a rock star. And just saw all of the amazing things that she is working on. And so, I'd love to introduce our guest today, Charlene Platten. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I've been wanting to do a podcast, talk to you for so long, and I've also been following you very closely. So really excited for this. Oh my gosh, Charlene. So for those who don't know, Charlene is a glass ceiling breaker. She has a fantastic journey that I'm going to have her share. I won't like spill the beans. You're going to have to stay tuned in to listen, but it has an amazing story and has just developed this app for nurses. And so, Charlene, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you went into nursing? We'd love to hear your story of like where you're currently working. Uh, where did it all start? How'd you decide that you wanted to become a nurse? Great. Thank you so much, Chris. And, you know, with my journey of nursing, I actually come from a family of nurses. So my mother is an ICU nurse, and she's been working as an ICU nurse through COVID. My twin sister is a nurse, and she um, was trained and worked as a psychiatric nurse. And so it's definitely been in my family, and that was how I was originally introduced to um, the hospital, the healthcare industry. And I'm really grateful because, honestly, I don't know if I would have been introduced to nursing any other way. So I went straight into nursing school um, after high school. I was fortunate to, to go to UC Irvine, University of California, Irvine, for my undergraduate degree. And there was really when I immersed myself in different experiences in the healthcare industry. I volunteered for a nonprofit organization that really exposed me to the challenges and the complexities of the healthcare system. And so after, after I finished uh, my undergraduate degree, I first worked as an acute care nurse in East Los Angeles. And I was working in a community hospital. And I just saw so much room for improvement when it came to quality of care, when it came to patient care um, processes and outcomes. And I had a lot of experiences, too, where I saw gaps in, you know, how we deliver our care. And that really was something that hit home for me. You know, before my first hospital job, I had actually worked as a medical coordinator for that nonprofit organization that I volunteered for. And so I worked with a lot of homeless clients and and I was helping them enroll for uh, medical insurance, was helping to connect them with resources and helping them to transition from the hospital back into the community. And just through all these experiences, it really opened my eyes to how the healthcare system works in the United States, all the different areas for opportunity there. And from that, you know, and from being in the acute care space, I was really inspired to go back into outpatient. And so I I became a nurse practitioner. I went through my um, graduate studies. And it's just funny because after I finished my undergraduate studies, I really found myself really wanting to help healthcare on a broader level. And so I went straight into nursing leadership and uh, advanced practice leadership. So my first position outside of graduate school was um, I was a manager of advanced practice at Stanford Healthcare, and I was supervising nurse practitioners and physician assistants in the inpatient setting. So I was kind of going inpatient, outpatient, inpatient, outpatient. And then as of April 2020, I transitioned to a role as director of ambulatory nursing at Stanford Healthcare. So now I am helping to support nurses in the ambulatory side and um, back in the outpatient setting. So it's been a really awesome experience, really great 
you know, really um, a lot of diversity in the different experiences that I've had. But throughout all of this, I just found so many opportunities for innovation, for healthcare, and being able to become one of the Johnson & Johnson Nurse Innovation Fellows has really been a part of that as well. And so, you know, that's just a really high-level overview of my journey thus far. But currently, I'm Director of Ambulatory Nursing, and I'm also um, in the process of pursuing the creation of our of our wellness app. And it's called Fifth Window. Uh, formerly, it was called Wellness App. And I'm really excited to tell you all more about that. But that's really just my journey in a nutshell, and happy to expand on any of those topics. I like literally just wrote a whole bunch of notes because I have so many questions. Where do I start? I think my first question for you is, so you you took a, a non-traditional route into leadership. I also did where we went the advanced practice route and then ended up in leadership. When you were becoming a nurse practitioner, did you have any idea that you were going to end up in leadership or was it like your dream to just, you know, care for patients? You know, it's funny that you ask that because when I was uh, an acute care nurse, I distinctly remembered telling myself, I want to be in healthcare leadership. I want to be, you know, I'm not sure how that will look like necessarily, but I know I wanted to be in leadership. And I was telling one of my colleagues, you know, I want to be, I think I want to be a healthcare leader. And, you know, I was telling them how I wanted to become a nurse practitioner and um, become into leadership somehow from that journey. And, and they told me point blank, oh, you can't be a healthcare leader by pursuing, you know, your nurse practitioner um, degree, you have to go into your MHA program or some other leadership program. And I was just like, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could do it. But, but I just thought that was interesting. And, and sure enough, I found myself um, in that position where I was really fortunate to um, have this transition into healthcare leadership. And uh, I had to make a hard decision because right after I finished nurse practitioner school, I was actually accepted into an NP residency program. And then it was an amazing program. It really checked all the boxes, the population I wanted to serve, the training, um, the cohort I would be with. And, and I had to decide, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to go straight into the more traditional route of doing the clinical role first as a family nurse practitioner or going straight into the management route. And I chose the management route and I have not regretted it. And it's really, um, it's been an awesome journey. Tell me more about that journey. How did you, I mean, like not every day do you like graduate NP school and then somebody's like, hey, do you want to be a manager of like all these NPs and PAs? How would that look like? How do you, was it like networking or like what, a, give us the dish? Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time who are um, in the healthcare profession to network because I, you know, I love to reach out to people and connect with people. And I think I just love to network naturally. And and so that was really how I found out about the opportunity. You know, it, it was really during one of my courses at in my graduate school studies, we had a leadership class and we had a guest lecturer who was from Stanford Healthcare. And he was talking about performance improvement, leadership, and all these things that really spoke to me. And I just thought to myself, well, after this class, everyone's going to want to talk to him and everyone's going to want his business card and information because this is just amazing. And then after the class ended, it was really just me and, you know, I think one other classmate of mine who went up to him and just wanted to connect. But but I think it really starts with yourself, like knowing what you want and what you want to pursue. And then from that, finding other people who have that like minded, um, you know, profession or passion and and then connecting with them. And then when I think you find your niche, you that's really when all these opportunities open up. And that's what happened. I kept in um, contact um, with that individual and it just led me to find out about the management opportunity. And I was really fortunate to um, have that position, but 
But I think without putting yourself out there, you really, if you don't put yourself out there, you really close a lot of doors that are not necessarily locked, but you just have to find them and open them. Oh, I love that, that train of thought. And I love that thinking. And I think it's really great advice. A lot of jobs I've gotten has like totally been because of networking. It's not like a blind application. So yeah, I agree with that. Okay. So my next question, you, you mentioned like so briefly and nonchalantly about being a Johnson and Johnson fellow, like that is like big. Okay. So tell the listeners what that is, if they haven't heard about it and how you became one. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. And uh, oh my gosh, I love this program. There's uh, so much I would love to say. And I know we only have a limited amount of time, so I'll try to keep it brief. But the Johnson & Johnson Nurse Innovation Fellowship Program is a two-year program that equips nurses with leadership, innovation, and entrepreneurship acumen. And so it's a collaboration between Johnson & Johnson, the Center for Creative Leadership, or CCL, and also, uh, and also Nurse Approved which is a company that helps to promote um, nursing executives and nursing leadership. And so, you know, this collaboration was really the first fellowship cohort that they've had like this. So um, this was the first time that they've had this program. And, uh, and so they had um, 12 positions for nurses to participate in this initial cohort. And so, you know, in the span of the two years, each of us fellows are tasked to have a project that we're working on and that we're focusing on um, for, you know, in innovation. And that could be really broad. You know, we have a really diverse cohort. There are some members of our cohort who are working um, on the front lines, providing direct um, patient care. There's also other members of our cohort who are CEOs, um, business owners, entrepreneurs. And so there's other uh, members too, who are professors in academia. So it's a really, really diverse group of nurses and your innovation project could be really different um, depending on what your interest is. And so for my project, I am really focusing on this app for nursing well-being, Diff Window. And um, and that's that's just the program in a nutshell, but they really equip you with, with these different learning opportunities and networking opportunities so you could expand, you know, your your knowledge in all these different facets and to help promote your innovation. I know you said that you guys were kind of like one of the initial cohorts. Are they still accepting applications every year or where, where are they at right now? I think they do want to accept. The plan was to have more cohorts in the future. And, and actually with the future cohorts, uh, you know, the previous cohorts would be serving as mentors. So there would be some sort of collaboration. And I don't know yet when the next round of applications might be. Um, hopefully it'll be soon, but we will keep you posted because we would love to keep this going. Awesome. Okay, so you've mentioned Fifth Window twice or three times now, and I know about Wellner's app. How did that happen? How did you go from, okay, I'm now a director of APP here at Stanford and I'm working on all this stuff, and now, bam, I'm like an entrepreneur. Like, how did that happen? And tell us about that. Well, I, you know, I've always wanted to be in entrepreneurship one way or another. I feel like I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for years, and I just didn't really know what that would look like or what that would entail. But in terms of the current um, project or um, company that I'm pursuing, you know, the reason I didn't always think about having a company that was focused on well-being for healthcare professionals or for nurses, but because of the pandemic and because of all the challenges, you know, I mean, there was just so many challenges, just name one, you know, I feel like we faced it in the last year and almost two years, but we, you know, I really saw that there was an opportunity and a and a gap that had to be filled when it came to providing resources for nursing well-being specifically. And from my own experiences with the pandemic, 
you know, I've, I've been on my own journey of well-being. You know, I've had, it wasn't always easy, you know, the road for nursing for me. Uh, nursing school is really challenging. I, you know, and it was difficult and I really had to put myself first in order to continue on the profession. And I think a lot of nurses can resonate with that. But through it all, it just, I felt so alone almost. So I wanted to see, is there a way to connect all these dots, connect these resources with nurses with well-being? And when I was, a, when I was in nursing myself and as a bedside nurse, I did notice that there were gaps in terms of how can I find these resources? Um, but then when the pandemic hit, I myself was going through, you know, another journey of well-being in terms of having to prioritize myself and my self-care. I actually experienced these really, really severe, pretty severe panic attacks early on in the pandemic. And I think that it all stemmed from, since I didn't have my normal distractors, like going to the gym, going traveling, or doing a bunch of things, um, I finally was just sitting with myself and all of these things kind of hit me at once. And so that manifested as a panic attack. And I and then I went to try to seek um, therapy and resources, but I was quoted that it would take me up to 12 months to find a therapist um, that I could see wow. uh, in person um, or, you know, or just within my healthcare system um, or within my, um, you know, within the resources that I had available to me. So I sought um, telehealth um, services and, you know, I had to do a lot of digging myself to see what was out there, but it was really challenging, you know, like it's kind of interesting how if you want to have those resources, you do have to do a lot of self-initiative and digging. And then eventually I was able to find a therapist through telehealth. It was great. And um, I did the multiple wellness programs. I, I did, um, I've been doing daily meditation and that has been a game changer. And it just, you know, through all these programs and through all this, you know, this work of, of actually prioritizing myself and actually prioritizing my mental well-being, I was just thinking like, wow, you know, nurses, should really have something for them that that they could really um, use to help promote their self care. And throughout all this, this is when the the hackathon happened. So the the Nurse Hack for Health in in May 2020 um, happened, and I joined I joined that um, that hackathon um, alongside Chris Caulfield, who is the Chief Nursing Officer of IntelliCare. And I was like, oh my god, Chris is joining this. I have to join <laughs> with him. And we were we joined together in the same team under the Resiliency and Self Care Challenge. And so I was just I was just so um, excited that they had that track, and we joined that. We had a team of ten people, and it was just really awesome to see so many nurses within our team who were really excited about about um, this um, about this um, help for nurses. And then from that, we were able to win the hackathon under that under that track. It was really exciting and. And that was really where the idea for um, for Fifth Window, originally called Wellness App, was formed. And so from there, you know, we continued to work on it. We've been still meeting every single week after that hackathon, and it's uh, in fact almost our one year anniversary from the hackathon. So it's really excited, uh, really exciting to see where we are now. So did you keep from that hackathon all like the entire ten members? Is it still the same team? And like, where where are you at now with the app? Like, describe the app to us. Yeah, so with with the team members, we actually started with a group of 10. So there was um there was eight nurses and two technical experts from the hackathon. And then from there, we were able to um reduce the size to three nurses and then we found three nurses from the original hackathon team including myself. And then we found a developer who had worked with us and joined our team and he has developed the app. 
And so with the app itself, it has three main features. And the first one is a check-in. And so the check-in really allows the nurse to easily um, assess how they're doing overall. And then from that assessment, they'll be matched with an intervention to help with their self-care. So so they could be matched with a meditation practice or maybe another practice to help them, you know, just in terms of however they're feeling. And so, so that's one of the, that's one of the um, features that we have. And then the other main feature that we have is our connect feature. It's our community platform. So we've built our own community within the app so that nurses could, you know, learn from each other and share with each other their experiences in terms of their self-care journeys. And our, our goal is really to destigmatize seeking self-care and to, to make people be okay um, and be comfortable with, um, you know, with sharing their experiences, but most importantly, to make them feel that they're not alone or to let them know that they're not alone. Because I know I felt very alone um, during my own um, journey when I was experiencing these different things. But, um, but just to see other nurses on the platform, I think makes a big difference. But um, and then the last feature is the the practices themselves. They could just, you know, the nurses could easily access these practices if they'd like. But but that's what we're starting with, and um, and that's how it looks like in its current state. Oh my gosh, I love that, and I know uh, that a lot of the folks listening right now are like, oh my god, where was that when I needed it? Um, and it might be right now that you need it. So um, so you guys are accepting beta testers. How if if you, some, there's a listener and they're like, oh my gosh, this sounds awesome. Like I want to be a part of it um, prior to like you know, full on launch, what do they do? Yeah, thank you for asking, Chris. Uh, we are launching our open beta test on May 6th, the first day of Nurses Week. And we are going to have information available on our website. And you could find us at www.fifthwindow.com. You could also find us at wellnessapp.com. We still have that domain. So um, either way, we're going to have the information there. So if you are interested right now, you could sign up just to express your interest and we will email you directly if you sign up through our platform. Um, and so you could also follow us on social media and all of our social media links are on our website. So fifthwindow.com or wellnessapp.com and we will have a lot more information there. Um, but we could have up to 10,000 nurses for this beta test. So we are really looking to see um, you know, how many nurses, we're not sure yet how many might be interested, but we welcome anyone or and every nurse who's interested and hope to get to hope to build a product that's truly, you know, nurse led, nurse driven, nurse tested and designed. So, so we're really, really excited about that. Okay. So why is it formally Wellnurse app? What, what, what happened with the name change? Yeah, so Chris, you know, you might you might be familiar with this since you you know you're an entrepreneur too, and and you know entrepreneurship can be such a wild journey <laughs> to say the least. I'm sure you have a lot of stories too, but but so one of the most difficult decisions that I've come to find uh, in pursuing um, this startup is that, and you know, any of my team members will tell you, one of the most difficult decisions is creating a name, and. I mean, I think that's one of the most difficult decisions, and it's really tough because if you look at the if you look at um, the market, I mean, there's tons and tons of companies out there today, and all of these companies could have great names, and they could all be names that you've thought of already. And so, you know, we had originally thought of the name for Wellnurse, and it turns out there's another company um, that has a similar name, and so we had uh. to change that name. Um, we don't want to cause any confusion, especially because, uh, you know, it, it, it does sound like a similar, you know, a similar name overall. So we just, we just don't want to confuse anyone who's 
looking at the two different companies. So, so there was that. And we actually changed to another name, but that name, you know, we had our legal team do a trademark search and there was actually another company that had sounded like our second name that we thought of. And so we had to think of a third name. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and so we, we actually looked at this list of, you know, a thousand names and we saw fifth window and we were thinking, Oh, you know, if window is really unique, it's still, you know, and we, it really resonates with us because it, it really covers the different dimensions of well-being um, because you have personal well-being, you know, you have, you have your physical well-being, you have your mental well-being, you have professional well-being and you have organizational well-being, but, but the fifth window actually encompasses all those areas. And that's really the holistic, um, the holistic well-being. So we really wanted to cover that. And we, we thought that that was, really unique and interesting. And um, that's how we decided on that name. And, and um, so far, it seems to be going well. So we're, we're going to continue to pursue that and see how it goes. I love that. I love that. First of all, I love the name because it is like, when I hear fifth window, I think of like, somebody on the outside looking in, or maybe somebody inside looking out. And, you know, reflection is just such a huge piece of your mental wellness. And just being able to even see others so that you can support them through there. So I think that name is like perfectly fitting. I love it. Um, and I love that you. Your interpretation is amazing. I'm going to write that down. That is, yeah. I'm going to say that. I'm going to post that. I love it. It's true, right? Doesn't it? it? Like you just, so I think it sounds good. And I love that you shared your trademark journey. Cause I, so I, you know, the nurse leader network before I even chose it, I, I was looking up names and I found, I was able to get it trademarked. Um, and I found that my, the initials, everybody's already starting to call us by our initials, which is NLN, but NLN is trademarked. So I cannot use NLN, right? The National League for Nursing. Oh, no. So I oh. have to remind people like, no, we're not NLN. We are Nurse Leader Network. I know NLN shorter, but that is a whole other organization. And don't get me into this liability people. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I like totally get it with the whole like trademark. Infringement. So those of you who are listening, if you're trying to start a business and you want to trademark, like please look it up on USPTO before you go. And if not, you'll just, you know, you, you learn from both of us and start it all over. We could, if anyone yeah, has any questions, just ask me if you, you know. <laughs> I know I filed my I own. I like literally was like, I am going to wow. file my own. And I filed because I had filed one before for a restaurant that I was getting started. And so I kind of knew how to do it. And I, it was really good because I was like, okay, well, you know, wait, mine was pretty generic enough that I was able to like get it trademarked um, under the second tier of trademarking. So Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. Okay, so I'm I'm really like struck and resonate with your story around um, just feeling like isolated and feeling you know that really was the gap that you guys were trying to solve. I'd love to hear more about like your journey, like that. You you said you started having panic attacks. I'd love for us to like dig into that. And the reason is because uh, you know I think a lot of the listeners probably have had moments of of that. And I know for myself, um, when it when I'm with patients, I can tell them like, you're having a panic attack, right? They'll come in with like chest pain and we've ruled everything out. Like we know, you know, that there's something going on, stress, and we're like, no, you're having a panic attack. But then in yourself, you don't see that. And so what was your moment where you were like, oh my gosh, I need to focus on myself. Like I have to reframe what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm glad that you asked that question, um, Chris, because a lot of, a lot of the times there, you know, you might not promote your own self care until something happens, something more major and for me, the, I guess the aha moment was, well, I mean, in, in terms of uh, panic attacks, for me, the defining moment was when I was 
driving, you know, I was in my car by myself and then I had a panic attack. It just came on very strongly. And for me, um, panic attacks will manifest physically first and then it'll start to turn into, you know, the racing thoughts and it'll start to impact me mentally after. But during this particular time, I was having a panic attack and then it got to the point that it felt like I was actually going to have a heart attack or I thought I actually thought I was having a stroke or a heart attack and I was doing I was doing all the tests like I was like okay can I smile can I I was like trying to see if I actually was having a stroke and I was like oh my god can I lift my arms is it symmetrical and everything and then I was like is my chest okay I was like okay I have like some aspirin somewhere but you know so I was going through all these things and then I and then later I I thought to myself oh no it was it was actually it's a panic attack and it was just to the point my whole body was, you know, it was just a full body experience and it was, it's really scary. And, you know, um, when it's really scary, you know, you have to, usually you have to like, if you're driving, it's really dangerous. And so that's when it really hit me like, okay, I need to do something because I was by myself, this happened. And if this happens again, I really need to be able to help myself because you can't always depend on others, especially this this particular time I was driving. It was at night. No one else was there on the freeway. So that's really one of one of the many ways that self-care could really benefit. But for my journey, that was that was really the moment that I was saying to myself, OK, I really need to take this seriously. And uh, this is not just a small thing. So I think that was probably the, the defining moment for me. Well, did you struggle like with and I asked this from a place of having a daughter that I lost to suicide, but also having my own mental health struggles, right? After I lost my daughter to suicide, I then went on to have my own attempt um, and, you know, struggled for a long time after her passing. And I, I knew it was bad. Like for me, I knew it was bad and I knew I just was not coping well, but I felt because I was a leader um, that I had to keep like my armor on. And so I think that delayed me in seeking treatment because I just kind of was like, no, I have to get to work and I have these nurses I have to take care of and I have, you know, this family. And so, I mean, like for you, how, how did, how were you able to bust through? Cause I know for a lot of listeners, they might just be struggling like with embarrassment or shame or, you know, not wanting to move on and get treatment. How do they move on? And then like even pick up your app, right? Like maybe that might not, but there might be some resistance there. Yes. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for sharing um, about your, your challenges and what you've gone through as well, because uh, you know, I've heard your story before and every time, you know, it's just, it just really um, lets me realize and understand that everyone is going through so many challenges and we don't know. And that's why it's all the more important to have something, um, some more of these resources available to nurses. And I do agree that, um, you know, as a leader myself too, it's really, you know, it's really easy to keep the armor and keep the certain persona because you feel like you should. And, and you feel like if you don't, it could be really, you know, it could impact the staff or whatnot. But I do think that, you know, when it comes to self-care, I, you know, I've, it wasn't the first time that I had sought therapy. I had, um, I had actually uh, used therapy before and cognitive behavioral therapy as well. And I really um, found so much success in using those different modalities in the past because, you know, I've experienced anxiety and depression in the past. And, um, and I, and during those times, I really didn't see other ways that I could help myself. But I think the first thing to recognize is just having the awareness because it's it's hard if you don't have the awareness and it, it could show up differently for different people. But for me, I just knew that I wanted to change and have access to these resources because it was impacting my life. And so um, 
And so for the depression, you know, in, impacting my studies and then for the anxiety, it was impacting my ability to socialize because I found I was getting more anxious in social situations and that didn't happen before. I'm someone who's really extroverted. So having anxiety and having that um, social anxiety was really new and it was really scary. And But then I would also get the anxiety and it would show up at my work. So it, it would impact my work too. So so I think once once these um, different um, different things show up and they could actually impact more than just your internal self, that's when I personally was motivated, but that might be when other people are motivated. But it could, you know, again, it could show up differently for different people. And, you know, but I've always been open-minded in terms of um, different, you know, different therapies, alternative therapies. And so I feel that it was, you know, I feel like for me, it was just, if it's something that's helpful, I'll try it. <laughs> so, so, um, so that's, you know, I, I do think it's a mindset thing, but, but I'll, I'll just say too, just in terms of my culture as, you know, as a Philippine ex-American, um, I do know a lot of your culture could also impact, um, how you seek help or what resources you seek. And, you know, mental health is a stigma within my, you know, my culture too, um, and ethnicity. So, so it's it's really a personal journey, and um, you know, hopefully that helps to answer the question. But I do think it it it'll show up differently for people, and you'll, you know, you should really listen to your intuition when you when you do need help. I think your body will tell you that, and I think it's really important to have that awareness and to respond to that. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's important to like take initiative before it gets too bad, because we think like we can handle it, and then like before you know it, you're like spiraling, and by at that point, you know, it's, it takes a lot more to get out of it than. Um, had you, you know, begin to seek care when you were having those little kind of like, you know, maybe headaches every day or just tired or whatever it was that you had. So I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think those are all great tips in terms of, um, your own team. So you're leading now, I'm assuming a ton of nurses. Um, what do you do to foster, uh, an environment of like well being within the team that you're leading? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. And in my current role in leadership, you know, uh, I actually don't have any direct um, reports that I supervise, but um, but I do work with a lot of different people and uh, and different teams. And I think that one of the ways that you could foster well-being in your workplace, even if it's not a team that you're directly supervising, is to be vulnerable. And I think that in healthcare, it's really difficult to be very vulnerable because, you know, our culture of medicine is, you know, is one of, you know, having a certain um, persona in terms of not showing any weakness or any signs of that. And so I think that's challenging, but I think in terms of being vulnerable, just being authentic in terms of how you show up at work, you know, if you're having a bad day, being transparent about that. And I always, when someone asks me, how am I doing? Sometimes I really struggle with that because there could be a lot of things um, that are impacting my day, but I might, I might not want to share, you know, um, truthfully how I'm feeling. So but sometimes I do. Sometimes I say like, oh, you know, it's been a really challenging time. And uh, and I've found that when I've been more vulnerable and actually um, authentic or trying to be a little bit more open about my own experiences, I received the same in return. And I think that having those connections with colleagues, you know, I think when other people see that, they then they open up and then and then, you know, I've tried it in meetings, too, in bigger meetings and other, other people will say the same. So I feel like it's really um, creating that space where other people could feel safe and comfortable to be in that um, position 
that really helps to foster well-being, but, but also just being an example. And I think, you know, um, I need to work on this too, but I think being able to take breaks outside of your office, which is, I struggle with that a lot. And I, I have the means, I definitely have the means to, to take a break outside, but you know, that's challenging. So, um, but I think setting the example, you know, drinking water, taking breaks, um, actually going to lunch and finding deeper connections or deeper ways to connect with your colleagues and by being vulnerable. I think those are all really helpful things. Yeah, those are. And it's so easy to get sucked into, like, especially when you're not, um, when especially when you're a salaried employee, right? So maybe like you're not an hourly employee. It's so easy to like be sucked into like feeling every single minute of your day and then beyond and then some. Um, but yeah, I think some of the best moments I had at my job were like, I'd be like, okay, listen, we're going outside because I need, I just need to go outside and we're going to walk and, you know, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but we're doing it outside. We're not doing it inside. Um, and you know, your desk gets cleaner too. Cause then you don't have all the crumbs from your lunch on it, <laughs> on your keyboard. Um, so I know it, it does <laughs> my, my, yeah, my desk was really, yeah. I know. I realized when I was like, oh my gosh, there's like so many crumbs on my desk. I need to stop eating at my desk. This is ridiculous. I need to go eat at like an actual table. Oh and God. it's more important now too, with um, this virtual reality that we're in, because we are just constantly on our screens. And something that I do miss about having in-person meetings was that you actually had to walk from room to room mm-hmm. and the walking would actually be like a little quick mental health break because you're actually walking. Sometimes you're going outside Sometimes you're just being more mindful. And so I think that really makes a big impact. And I could actually see the difference um, not having those legitimate walking breaks in between meetings and giving my brain some time to process. And also just seeing people, you know, like it's just, you know, it's just a very different experience when you're just hopping on a call from call to call to call and you're not outside and, you know, you don't have those kind of forced breaks. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought about that, but that's true. That's right. Our hallways are where we like catch up like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Or, oh my God, I like your shoes or whatever. Um, So yeah, we Mm -hmm. need to have like a hallway Zoom, right? We need to create like a hallway (laughs) Zoom in between our meetings. Like we can come walk by and see I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. That'd be great. So for your app, you know, we we talked about like what um, leaders can do to foster uh, wellness, you know, within their teams. For the beta testing, would you recommend um, nurse leaders to like maybe even have like groups of people sign up um, for the app or, um, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say that, you know, if there is a healthcare organization that would like their teams to sign up, I think that would be great. Um, You know, if it's if it's larger, that could also be an option. I think it really just depends on um, what what each group is interested in. And if a healthcare leader wants to sign up, you know, their team, that could be something that they do. Or if it's just an individual nurse or even the healthcare leader themselves, they could also join um, the group. It could be it could be interesting for, um, you know, for for everyone to be on it. Um, One thing that's that's challenging, though, and we've been, you know, as we've been asking for more feedback on our um, app is, you know, because this is so new in terms of destigmatizing mental health and being more vulnerable. Um, There has been a lot of, you know, requests for more anonymity, especially in the community um, section. And, and it could be challenging because if you, you have to kind of thread that fine line between uh, tread that fine line between being vulnerable, but then at the same time, you know, it's, it's hard to, to share certain things. And, and so, you know, how do you find that balance? 
because I do know that some people did not want to engage in the community because they were afraid of who else might be reading or mm. they wanted to make sure that they were anonymous. So so um, we are looking into that, too, and just finding ways to still promote these opportunities for nurses to share, but also protecting their, you know, their safety and um, their comfort level. So maybe um, maybe it could be something like um You know, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those like alcoholic anonymous apps or like those sobriety apps, but they have like just enough privacy where you, you know, you're not going to say like, oh my gosh, my boss is on the app. But they also then are like very human as well, where like, you know, if you want to upload a picture, like you're free to upload a picture. And if you want, but you don't have to, you can also go under like, you know, your pseudonym or whatever. But then I guess that's also like, do you want to be like sharing your wellness in front of people, a bunch of pseudonyms? I don't know. So yeah, maybe there's probably not like a perfect answer. Yeah, and those are that's great though having those different options because um, people have expressed if I have the option to be anonymous or not, that'd be great. If I have the option to share my photo or not, that's also great. Yeah, so I think in that case, having more options is actually better. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, we are coming to a close. Like I feel like I could talk to you forever. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I can talk to you forever. And um, <laughs> this is not going to be the last time that I invite you onto the show. So. I will be bringing her back on some point because she's fabulous and I can't wait to hear what's, what's next for Fifth Window. But this has been a pleasure, Charlene. If folks want to reach out to you and find you, where can they find you? Yes, if anyone is interested in the beta test or if they just want to learn more about us, you could visit us at our website, fifthwindow.com or wellnurseapp.com. And that's where you're, you're going to find our contact information and our social media platforms. So feel free to join our different communities there. Uh, We do have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, and we have a Twitter page. So feel free to find all those links on our main website. And we will have all the information too about our open beta test there as well. So if you're interested, you could could express your interest now or wait until it's closer to National Nurses Week. And we will be sharing more information about that. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I really appreciate everything that you're doing as well for promoting mental health and well-being. 